We are here to share our stories, experiences, and give a platform for others to talk about the no-nos. We are not medical or healthcare professionals. Anything you heard here is just based from our human experience, and should you have any medical or mental health challenges, we encourage you to seek professional support. Our content isn't suitable for children, and please be aware it may be triggering. We're Catherine and Chelsea, and and we're we're talking talking about the no-nos. All right. The quote bomb for today's episode is from Lisa Turkhurst. Sometimes to get your life back, you have to face the death of what you thought your life would look like. So today's episode, we're actually going to be hearing from Chelsea, and she's Mm going to talk about her story about um, sexual betrayal in her marriage. Mm -hmm. And so um, we'll just get right into it, Chelsea. (laughs) The beginning of your story, I think it's important to talk about. Your yeah, mom. I think so, too. So will you share with us um, that? Yeah. So I think it's important because it kind of gives a picture to just different choices that I've made and maybe why I've decided to go a certain route in the journey that we're going to talk about now. But when I was 13, my mom passed away suddenly and unexpectedly, and I remember in that moment knowing that I could either allow that to totally wreck me because I was 13, like that's real tender age to lose a parent and especially like unexpectedly where it's not really something you're preparing for at all. Um, And I remember thinking like I can either let this totally wreck me, like I have a choice in this or I can choose to basically like just rely on God because he's really the only stable, like the only stable thing I have left, um, like the only constant and I can rely on him and allow him to like heal me as I go through this grief. Um, and it's like, I kind of have these two options. I can let that wreck me or I can let this be like a part of my story of how God has like brought me through this And so I chose the latter because I just didn't see a lot of hope in the first one. Like I've seen people make those types of choices and I'm like, that's just not a life I want. Like I don't want the life of choosing to just let this like destroy me because it really could um, because there's so much pain and just like hurt in that and grief. But I chose to look at God's faithfulness and just choosing to follow him, not knowing exactly what that was going to look like. So. Well, first of all, that is such a hard thing to go through. Yeah. Especially 13. I don't think there could be a worse Yeah, I was like, I had only just turned 13 like a couple months prior. Yeah, that's nuts and so, so hard. And I can't even believe that a 13-year-old was even thinking that way. That's an old soul. (laughs) I know. Like, even you just breaking that down. When I was 13, that wouldn't even cross my mind. So that just, to me, was stood out to me like, Wow. Chelsea was really a mature, not that you weren't, you know, 13 is still really rough, but that is a definite mature way to look at it. Right. So I think that's important that you started with that too. I think so too. Because for your story, it kind of sets up just that you had that trauma at a Mm -hmm. young age and you... I had experienced some pretty strong grief. Right. And you had this fork in in the road of like, you've had that experience of like, this is like heavier than, this is harder than I can bear. Yeah. And so I can either pick to like blame God or to like go into God, Mm -hmm. right? Like Mm -hmm. having him, whatever. Yeah. So 
share with us. So thank you for sharing that. Um, share with us kind of what your story is currently. So my current story. So about two years into my marriage, I got married pretty young. Um, you know, thought, thought everything was like pretty good. you know, we had both came from good families, wanted the same things in life, enjoyed being together, enjoyed, you know, a lot of the same activities and life was like, you know, it felt right in a way. Um, but about two years into my marriage, my husband disclosed to me that he had, that he struggled with pornography and it was like, had moved kind of beyond a struggle. It was like, you know, something that was kind of getting out of control. And I'll never forget that night or that moment as he was telling me all of this. And, um, I mean, my world just really flipped upside down because everything that I thought I knew was changing all of a sudden in one instance because nothing really felt real anymore because you didn't really know, you know, what was real or not, like, in that where someone actually mentally is in their mental space. And so I remember that just wrecking me and I was pretty young though. And I worked at the church that we went to and didn't have a really good relationship with um, that pastor either in thinking that he would be someone that could help people through that and not just like judge them and shame them. Um, so chose not to really disclose that to anyone there. And, um, I really did go through that all completely alone because I felt like it wasn't my story to share. I really felt like it was really my husband's and I didn't want to share anything that made anyone else think poorly of him. And I really just didn't even know what to do with my emotions through that because I couldn't. I couldn't even really process what I was feeling or explain why it felt so awful. Yeah. Um, so we did, we did counseling. My husband did a program. He had like accountability people in his life. And I really thought we had done what we were supposed to. Yeah. And that that was something we had kind of like conquered, like a, an instance in my life that God had kind of given victory over and we were moving through because it felt like we had done the work. Um, can I ask you a question yes. before you move on to your next yes. thought? So when you guys were both really young when this happened, yeah. so when he told you, was that like nothing that ever crossed your mind? Like this was shocking to you or was it just like, that's, I'm kind of curious about that because I do think that that's hard kind of when you're younger yeah. and you're thinking like, oh, hey, we both met at church. We did things yeah. this way and like. I'm just curious. So I think I remember when and now like I've even gone back through and it's weird because now being at the place where I am, I see so much more clearly all the ways that this really affected our relationship straight from the start. And I have like journal entries from when we were dating where I could tell that even though I didn't really know what was going on, that this was really affecting us. Mm. Um, So it's kind of crazy to be able to look through at that. But Um, I think so when we were dating, there was a moment where he had kind of said like, Hey, like I struggled with some things like kind of in the past, but it was this very, like, it's not really a big deal. It's not really something I struggle with now that was a struggle before. And I like, I feel kind of bad about it, but like 
not really disclosing the truth. He was yeah. never really like, truthful like about minimizing what that was. It. Very, very, very minimizing. Yeah. Um, but I do remember being like, oh my gosh, like, what? Like, what do I do with this information? And, you know. And you were shocked by it. I was shocked by it. And, um, but I kind of talked myself through all of those like red flags then of like, oh, okay, well, this, okay, well, this. And he said this, he said this. And now I know so much more that I'm like, if I had known then what I know now, like we would have never even gotten past like yeah. those moments because I would have been like, yeah, no, never mind. Um, but yeah, so it was, but it was still shocking to me in that moment because it had been minimized that I didn't really think it was a problem. And I think something that I really do want people to understand is the difference between like struggling with something or having done something that maybe you feel like is something you shouldn't have like a few times versus being an addict. Yeah. Because that is something that I'm really passionate about people understanding and specifically in regards to sexual addiction. Yeah. Because in the church it's super minimized and it's not talked about. And the fact that it is legit an addiction and your brain is completely rewired mm -hmm. and all that. I feel like that's really minimized, but it's painted more as a struggle, yeah. which is painted more as this thing that's like, oh, well, Just like no a few times I ate like one too many cookies and, yeah. you know, but now I'm on the straight and narrow, not eating so many cookies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just feel like it's really painted with this broad brush of, oh, like everyone kind of falls into things versus like, no, this is like a real life crushing, yes. world altering, obsessive, controlling addiction. I totally agree with you. And we were definitely at the addiction stage of it, but he wasn't honest about that. And he wasn't even honest with himself about being an addict at that time. So I couldn't have yeah. known something based upon not having any information so so this is something i just know because i obviously know your story before right. this but i kind of want you to talk about this before you go on to the next thing uh talk about how when he disclosed this you hide was you were hiding how much it was hurting you yeah so i would get up every day with him i he had to leave for work hours and hours before i even needed to be up to get ready but i would wake up with him at the start of the day to try to like I really tried to fix things right thinking that like well if he's up with me and like I'm able to like set our day up and it to be right and there's no opportunity for this like we'll be okay and so he would get up and we'd be up together and he'd leave for work and I'm thinking okay it's all right but then when he would leave for work I never let him know how much I was hurting yeah. um how much that deception was had hurt me I would get into bed and just cry and journal and be like, I kind of just wish I could die because this sucks so much. And I can't, I felt like I couldn't share it. Like no one would understand it or that mm. the people around us in our life would then be judging him. And like, we wouldn't even have a chance to make it through. Yeah. So it was really tough. And I was young and I didn't really know what to do. And I didn't have all the information mm -hmm. because he never like fully disclosed all of that at that time. Yeah. So there wasn't that much that I could do without having all the pieces. So, so you were just like super isolated. Very much. And feeling like super alone. Thank you for sharing that because I just feel like that 
is a common response. Very much so. And so I think that that's really important to talk about right. for people to know, like, yeah, there's a part of it that's like, I don't want people to think bad about my right. husband. I don't, you know. And I didn't realize it was trauma either. Like that yeah. having someone betray you in that way is, is a trauma. trauma. Absolutely. And I didn't understand that piece of it until the like you know a year and a half ago type of thing so i didn't even understand like why my brain was so foggy and like all yeah. the things that i was experiencing did that feel almost just like oh my gosh when you found that out that it was actually trauma like did that just like put it made everything make so much more sense because i was yeah. like i had really just felt like something was wrong with me hmm. like i was crazy yeah for feeling this way or responding this way or having these types of thoughts or like getting stuck on things that i felt like there was something wrong with me like that this isn't a normal way to respond yes. to this um but now i'm like oh no like this is what my brain was going through. That makes total sense. Oh, yeah. Your whole... Yeah. Your whole reality wasn't what you thought it right. was. Right. Yeah. You're like, I married this person not knowing that. that yeah, that's a big, big, big deal. Um, okay, so fast forward into that happened. How, right. What? So you, guys, you said that he went into some kind of he did an online like program okay. of like working through stuff he got some people in his life that he said were like keeping him accountable we went to counseling together okay. um neither one of us separately only together okay um and so with all that i had all the information that i had and all that i thought was there to do um i felt like we had done everything and then his response still wasn't honest then if um him saying like okay like i've done all these things and like you know i'm not like struggling with this so and he I'm, was saying like, like i'm sober from this. yes he was okay. claiming sobriety yeah okay so he was claiming sobriety and so how long was he claiming sobriety from that moment about nine years wow and he yeah. wasn't no not at all okay oh wow yeah yeah yeah, That's so tough. fast forward about nine years from then. So here I am thinking um, we've, you know, he's been had sobriety because there's been a lot of, you know, things over the years that we've gone through in our relationship. And I've been like, I don't understand why we're having such a difficult time, like communicate all these things. And it feels like there's this wall and you're disconnected. I didn't understand. And I kept trying to fix it on my side and I could not figure out what the heck was going on. And I would ask him straight up, like, is this a problem? Is this happening again? Mm. Is this what's going on? And he would swear up and down. Nope, that's not it. There's no problem that he would constantly lie about that. Anytime I asked, I mean, was just like, nope, nope. And I believed him, yeah. which is foolish of me, which I know now. But on the other side, it's like you want to believe your spouse, right? Yeah. Like I wanted I to believe that the that's best about I him. I don't think that's foolish for you to believe him. Yeah, but now I know like there's behaviors I need to be looking at versus just what he says. But like I said, those are things that I know now. Didn't know then. So yeah. I can't really... You know, but I don't want you to feel like you're putting any blame. Like, yeah, you didn't... I can't blame myself. For yeah. that, but at the time I did. That's what I'm trying to communicate. Got it. Is at Got the it. time I was very hard on myself. I was trying very hard to constantly be working on a relationship because so in that in addiction, um, 
there's a lot of manipulation that happens, gaslighting, and all those things can be really, really subtle. Mm-hmm. And you don't always realize what's going on, um, where the addict is trying to gain control and making it to where they can like lead a double life and all of those things. And so for me, a big part of that was things being centered and pushed then to where I really believed that everything was my fault, mm-hmm. my problem. I needed to fix it. Something was wrong with me. Like I really took all of that burden of our whole relationship on myself. And that's kind of one of the things that God freed me from first, going the second time into disclosure. Okay. And that was like kind of a miraculous thing is because I really did feel that burden so heavily. Mm. And I really did allow myself to believe so many lies about me. And then when the second disclosure came nine years later, which it wasn't technically a disclosure until later, um, he was caught, not disclosed of his own free will. Um, I really felt that burden lift of like, oh my gosh, this isn't who I am. And this isn't, this hasn't all been, there's definitely things that I'm responsible for and how I have like reacted or, you know, acted in our relationship, but... I'm not like fundamentally broken Mm. and like our whole relationship isn't all jacked up because I'm broken, which is what I thought. Right. Wow. So that was a big thing that lifted off of me where I was like, Oh my gosh, that's not who I am. I'm not this person that I hate because I had really started to hate myself. And now I realize that was just kind of something that was almost groomed in a way to keep that addiction going. Do you was that told to you or was that something you told to yourself or both? I feel like both married together okay. in a storm of yeah. shame. Um yeah. and it wasn't ever something that was really like um wasn't really like I can't think of the right word, like bold, like really harshly communicated to me of like, you're like blah, 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 blah. And you're not good enough or whatever. Kind of the constant of that in so many subtle ways over such a long period of time. Wow. That is even just of like a dismissiveness about my emotions. Okay. Communicates that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That totally makes sense. And that's such a huge weight to carry especially when you aren't being told the truth. So you're thinking like, what's, what's going on with our, you're putting all you this. You think plate. that you're crazy, which is gaslighting. Yeah. It changes your reality, right? Of where yes. you start to believe that you're crazy. Cause you're like, oh, I, I keep feeling like something's wrong. And this oh. person's telling me it's not, nothing's wrong. But like, you know, then like a switch of like, well, you really like don't, appreciate me like Mm. then like this kind of switch off of like subtle things you're like oh okay is like a constant yes changing of things to where you do you start to feel like i'm crazy like i'm crazy i'm like a real awful person so when when that disclosure happened Mm -hmm. god lifted that that feeling of blame like self-blame from you yes pretty quickly yeah And that was like, I think part of that too was just knowing 
like having information and being like, okay, now like my feelings make sense because yes. for so many years I've felt like something is wrong. Right. And I haven't been able to fix it and haven't been able to figure it out. And now I have these pieces where I'm like, okay, like, okay, I'm what, not crazy. Which is crazy because, you know, like your intuition right. is always right yes and so when you're like no i like something's off and you're like constantly being lied to or whatever like i could see that being a really confusing weird thing to go through because um we all have that especially i feel like especially women yeah and being told all the time like that that's not true is uh, crazy would make you feel crazy and I love that God took that off of you right away. Yeah. Like no, no more. Like the truth has set you free type of thing. Wow. That is, that's a whole other layer that I don't think people realize that comes along with being lied to. Yeah. About. Deception. Deception. For so long. Yeah. For sure. So the disclosure happened and kind of what came next after that. So it was kind of, it's more, uh, he was caught. And then there's disclosure, and then it's like we started kind of trying to look at where the heck do we go from here. Um, and in that, I had spent most of our relationship, like I said, trying to fix things. Yeah. And I was just like, if this is going to work at all, like he has to want sobriety and he has to want a different life 100% because it's what he wants and he wants something different. Um, and it can't have anything to do with me telling him what to do. Yeah. And I'm freaking not telling him what to do anymore. Like I'm done. Freaking over it. Which is good. <laughs> um, and yeah. so I really, I really didn't say, I just told him like, I told you last time that I would never live in a lie like this again. Yeah. And like, I'm real serious, real about serious that. about that. So you need to kind of decide what you're going to do. And that's pretty much all I said. Um, So it's basically like he was caught. Things were like a million times worse than I could have ever imagined because addiction is progressive. And then he disclosed. And then a little while later, it's like so sometimes people do what's called a staggered disclosure. That's very typical with addicts, especially sex addicts, because... Um, they really fear losing what they have, which sounds doesn't make any sense, right? Because it's like you're constantly making choices against that, right? Like yeah. you're saying you want this relationship, but you're making choices to keep stepping outside of that. So it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, but that's just part of addiction is that duplicity. And so um, – they're very fearful of losing things. So a lot of times they'll do what's called a staggered disclosure. Well, they'll tell you a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then you think you have all the information. And it's like you start processing that. And then you think you're like starting to process things. And then they'll tell you a little bit more. And it's just like ripping everything back open because oh you think gosh. that you have all the information. And then you find out there's still deception. Oh. And so then you're like, okay, and you start processing that. And then they'll tell a little bit more. Um, we didn't have too much staggered disclosure besides the whole like nine year <laughs> in between. Yeah. Um, but there was a little bit of a stagger where he had shared information. And I thought that was all the information. There were things that I had asked about and he lied about mm. and then found out like a month later that 
oh, okay, no, there's like this other information. And that was really hard Mm. because, yeah, you think, okay, like maybe we can start rebuilding. Not like that it's going to happen right away, but you're like, maybe my brain could at least just start processing something. And then it all just tears it open even worse because Mm. then it feels like more deception when there was supposed to be truth. Um, So your reality gets super jacked up again Um, because then you're like, is anything true? Is anything real? Like I can't, you can't trust anything Mm -hmm. um, that has anything to do with that person anymore. So, um, and when that person is someone you're bonded to and you're attached to, they're your, your partner in life right right and like you are biologically bound to this person in a way like that's what happens with your brain and your emotions um it jacks everything up it jacks up everything in your life yeah that is nuts what yeah i can't even because you're just thinking like did it feel like what was it was anything real like do you start feeling like are these memories that i have that are oh your memories are garbage (laughs) they really are because yeah the way i describe it is it's like it's a grief right this type of betrayal in your marriage is grief they actually equate it in like the pain of grief as being like almost as like an assault and also as like you know, like there's various things in life of like things that cause like huge life disruptions, right? And like levels of grief. And they say that the loss of the child is like the only thing above the betrayal of a spouse. Really? Yeah. And so because you're grieving your past, your present, and your future all at one time. Yeah. Because your past doesn't feel real because it was a lie. Your present is so horribly painful and then your future is completely unknown because every plan, every thought, every idea you had, every dream you had for your future when you're married typically involves the other person. Yeah. And so this causes that to all come apart at the same time because you're like, that super might not happen. (laughs) Yeah, that's so So rough. It's like all those places all at one time. So what have you, what did you do for you for like helping to like, what helped you and is helping you? Because I know that this isn't a very, this is kind of new still. Yeah. So So, they say it takes three to five years to start feeling normal. And again, whatever normal is to like get out of so much of it to where you start feeling like somewhat of a normal person, which everyone's like healing you know it's not really linear but um that that's like an average right and what's your healing right now like how second how time okay so from actually knowing everything um it's like almost a year and a half so really fresh still yeah really really fresh still i'm i've literally just come out of the fog of all the trauma and like Mm. situational anxiety and depression from it to feel like I'm not living underwater every day because mm. that's what it did feel like my brain like everything was so slow and mm-hmm. foggy and like you're there but your brain is totally somewhere else 
Um, and every day, like, I just felt kind of like a robot because it's like, I have kids to take care of. I can't not the other be thing, a person, but your brain is totally yeah. shut down. Yeah. You're like literally in Well, survival. not shut down. It's like on overdrive in so many other areas. The other thing I think that is in, like important in your story is that when you found this out, you just had had your third baby. Yeah, I was like. 10 weeks postpartum or something which is insane yeah i was to, real angry about that in i can't i feel like that is another trauma in it itself was. yeah to be like in the throes of first postpartum, of all postpartum yeah. and you're you're not sleeping you're literally and you have this is your third right baby so it's not like your life is already crazy that would have yeah. already been just that's a hard, difficult time to go yeah, through. It's a real hard season in and of itself. In and of itself. And then to find this out at that same time is like, kick me when I'm down. <laughs> right? It was awful. Yeah. And it was awful. And I was like, I don't even know. Like, I really couldn't even think beyond like each moment for the most part. No. I mean, I kind of did. I kind of actually, so you had asked before and I don't feel like I really answered it is like what I did this time. And I did start speaking about it way earlier this time. Mm. And I think a big part of that that did help that is that my husband did choose to begin seeking recovery right away and all on his own and like actually doing that in a way that has potential to like really live a sober life right versus like when we were young and we didn't really know what to do like seeing an addictions counselor getting into like group meetings um Mm -hmm. all of that and it took me a little bit more time for myself to really understand what i needed um speaking to people in my life like safe people around Mm me right away was really helpful because in that to then feel like you're carrying this burden of this secrecy which like you know later on in our series someone else will share Mm -hmm. their story about this with some different perspectives and they had shared about how like you know when you go to work and you broke your leg or something everyone knows why like something's tough because it's like obvious that your leg is broken but when you've gone through this and it's people Mm -hmm. that really aren't close enough to you where you're gonna really start sharing all this information and them not understanding or being able to understand how much pain you're in internally and Mm. even physically because it caused me physical pain and physical issues and um it was just like man it's so hard to then feel like you're carrying almost another secret around of like what's really going on in your life and I was like I can't I can't do that like I can't just be like how are you everything's fine or you know get getting through it um because i was like i'm not i'm not really getting through it right now (laughs) and um but i did um through our church there's actually a support group for women of like partners of sex addicts or or partners of people with inappropriate like sexual behaviors and um i got into that pretty pretty quickly after Mm -hmm. um i had found out what's going on and that was really helpful. And then I started doing counseling, um, which took me a little bit to get to because I was like, well, 
I'm doing okay. Like I'm getting through it. I'm making like good choices, like healthy choices. Like I got out of the bed every day. You know, yeah. that felt like a real achievement. Yeah. And I was like, I got out of bed today and I took care of three children. So like I'm kind of like I'm surviving. Yeah. I'm not thriving. I'm surviving. Uh, but like as a kind of a robot. Um, but one of the main things for me is I didn't want to get a few years down the road and ha- regret that I didn't do more sooner, mm-hmm. that I didn't um, pursue my healing enough, that I didn't take the time to do that because I had a baby, like a yeah. really young baby that was dependent on me. So trying to figure out how I would have time to take care of myself outside of like even just normal life felt really overwhelming. But mm-hmm. I was like... Even though I'm technically, everyone around me says, like, I think you're doing really well with this. Inside, I was like, I don't think I'm doing well. And I don't think there's really a way to do well in this. Oh, my gosh. Did that make you want to punch people in the face? It did. Yes. I actually told Adam that when we started doing um, marriage counseling, like, months after we had been doing individual counseling, um that if the marriage counselor told me that they thought I was doing well, I was straight up going to punch them because I was like, (laughs) I cannot have another person in my life tell me that they think I'm doing well. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm glad you're here. It seems like you're doing pretty well. I just couldn't. If it makes you feel any better, I didn't think you were doing well. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Um, I don't know if that's helpful or not. Yeah, but... But you shouldn't... Like, here's the thing. If you're doing well, you're lying. Yeah. That's insane. Everyone kind of wanted me to be okay. Right. So like this is too much feelings. This is too, this is too much of a no, no. I need you to be okay because you're making me uncomfortable with your realness. With like crying on the floor. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Which, so anyway, I didn't want to get to a point because I didn't know what was going to happen in our marriage and our relationship. I didn't know if we were going to reconcile. I didn't know what he would choose to do, but I knew that I needed a choice to be the healthiest person that I could Mm. because if our marriage continued, then I needed to be healthy so we could have a healthy marriage. Or if our marriage needed to end, Mm -hmm. I needed to be healthy so that I could be a healthy person. And also I didn't like, I don't want to live life alone for my whole life. Like if I, my marriage ended, I would have wanted to get remarried at some point. Yeah. And I knew I had to do whatever I could to be healthy and to heal and process it so that that would be an option to not end up in like a similar situation again. So anyway, so that helped me make the choice to try to just do whatever I could to then like start therapy for myself and wherever. Because I was like, I just feel like I need to do whatever is available to me so that way I I really am processing this and I really am working through it. And I really am sitting in all these really difficult, uncomfortable things, but like learning what that means and what that looks like and doing it with support Mm -hmm. so that I wouldn't feel like I had wasted a bunch of years, like trying to do it well on my own. I think that that's really wise of you that once again, like what you were saying about how your mom, which is why Mm -hmm. I thought that that, why you thought it was so important to talk about that in the beginning. And I agreed that it just kind of showed you like you learned early on, like, hey, this is going to happen whether I like it or not. Right. Like this trauma happened. Right. And I'm either going to like shove it down. Right. Or go, you know, self-medicate with who right. knows what or how or numb, right. however, or I'm going to like 
go through the hard part of healing, mm-hmm. right? And 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 come out healed on the other side or right. better of it or whatever. But I think that's really wise that you chose to do those things when I can only imagine you were just trying to live, yeah. especially even just having like a newborn baby and three kids. Like that's insane. That alone is insane. But that just shows your character and how much you lo- do love your family that yeah. Even though that I'm sure that that's literally the last thing financially or emotionally or any of those things that you could have done that you chose a really wise decision. And I think that that's going to be incredibly helpful for somebody listening that's going through the similar thing, because oftentimes in this, I've just noticed that all the care and attention kind of goes to the addict. Right. And like, we got to make him stop or (laughs) this has to stop or whatever when really like. You know, it was a huge traumatic thing to the spouse and they're kind of picking up all the pieces because that person, you know what I mean? And so it blows your whole world apart. Yeah. And so I really love that you're speaking out to the people that are the victim of it. Yeah. And that you didn't wait till your husband was healed or had X amount of sobriety that you immediately went went into that. And I think that's very wise. And, um, and I'm proud of you for doing that. I honestly am really proud of you because it is easy to just be like, I j- let me just try to live through this and shove it. And it would have been, um, I think, worse. Yeah. No, you know it would have I mean? been way worse. Not to say that any of it's easy. Right. Um, but I do remember our marriage counselor told me like the like the first several sessions really that we had together he kept telling me after every session that like that what I was doing was courageous. Like being there and doing that work took a lot of courage. And I remember at first that was really hard for me to take in because I'm like in my brain, I'm like, well, this just seems like the right thing to do. So like you do the right thing, right? Yeah. Like that's how I'm wired. Yes. And so I'm like, well, totally this is are. the right thing to do. So it shouldn't take courage to do the right thing. Yeah. Um but now being where I'm at now, I like I think about that sometimes and I'm like, it does take a lot of courage. Yes. And like, yeah. And I'm like, I I'm glad that I've done that. But like just those words mean a lot to me now Aww. that he would say that because I wasn't quite ready to take that in at that time because mm. it didn't quite all make sense to me of like that that is courage but to do that work and to go through pursuing healing whether you know your marriage is going to work out or not really does take a lot of courage to show up to Mm -hmm. show up and do the work takes so much courage and so it is i think about that now and i'm like all right like i feel a little bit like like a badass a little bit yeah you are a badass i'm like i did i am doing something courageous it's super courageous and it's also really courageous that you were speaking out about it the second time like that takes a lot i mean the not speaking out about it is i think the norm like what most people like like oh i'm not gonna say anything i think the second time you were really courageous like no i this wounded me i'm not pretending like it didn't i'm not gonna be isolated again I'm going to like speak it. And that's super courageous too. That's a very good counselor that you're going to. What would you tell 
um, somebody listening that is going through the same thing. We're going to do another episode where you kind of give more more insights that you've learned and stuff. But this one is really just kind of your story. And if somebody's listening right now, what kind of words of hope would you give them? So I think to start, I would say like that your feelings matter and they're really important. And this is your story. Because like I said at the beginning, is it's sometimes it's so easy to feel like it's not really your story. And it is. Mm. And it super is. And you are allowed to share your story with whoever you choose. Um, Amen. So that was a big, big thing to me that shifted. And I feel like really did empower me to be able to get healing Mm. for it. And so um, that would be one thing. And just to learning to sit in those emotions and the discomfort mm-hmm. and the waiting and the not knowing and having to really process that deeply, not like at this surface level, but deeply. So for me, that looks like journaling to get mm-hmm. to kind of the root of what I'm thinking at, like what I'm thinking about to be able to bring me to a place I need to know like the depth of my emotion in order to see like kind of where to go from there, if that makes sense. No, totally. And so I would just say, yes, it is your story and to speak your story to whoever you choose and to sit in those feelings, those emotions, and that whatever they are, like they're okay and they're Mm. your feelings to own and that there is hope and that was really hard for me to see at the beginning especially because I knew enough to not wrap my hope into another person Mm. of what they would choose to do or not do and I I still have to be really careful about that and not saying like okay well there's hope because this person's doing this or this person's not doing this but my hope is in um the fact that I am growing and changing and that Jesus has brought me to a place where I can do that and has supported me and given me peace in doing that, no matter what someone else chooses to do with their free will, but that I'm going to be okay even when it doesn't feel okay. Mm. Um, but that wasn't always really easy to see at the beginning and because like, there's just so much that swims around in your brain that seeing that hope was like felt really far off to me Mm. but now even just being like a year and a half in i can say like no it was it is real Mm. so it's like you're hesitant to hope in that i think especially for me i was really hesitant to hope because i had hoped before and i was wrong yeah Yeah, yeah, um it felt almost foolish to me to Mm. hope again Mm-hmm. I was like real I really struggled with that really struggled with that and but now I can say to a play I that there is there is hope and it's not dependent upon a person mm. but I am doing the work and I am you know I'm going through this process to heal my pain and so there's hope because I'm I'm doing that work right awesome and so that's really where the hope comes from and it's not like the the idea of something of what something might be but it's just the work yeah it's not putting the hope on him being sober yeah 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 yeah. because in any moment he can decide Mm -hmm. to do something else Mm -hmm. and 
So it's like, what am I really centering my life around? What am I really building my life around? Is it around this person or is it around something more? Yeah. So Chelsea, thank you so much for sharing your story and being vulnerable in a place where you're still in some pretty deep healing, Mm -hmm. right? Where it's Mm -hmm. raw. And I just feel like it's going to be such a blessing to people that are listening, that are going through it in the beginning stages Mm -hmm. and that you're really able to just give insight of real time healing. And so thank you for doing that. That takes incredible courage and I'm incredibly proud of you. Thank you. And with that being said, what are some resources for people listening that have helped you that you would recommend? So some resources is counseling. So get into counseling with a trauma counselor. Dr. Doug Weiss's website has a ton of information for um, partners of sex addicts. And they also um, have a counseling center that has really affordable phone counseling. And so you can check there. It's just drdougweiss.com. And the book Healing Choice by Susan Allen, which is the like the workbooks that the support group that I go to goes through um, Intimate Deception by Sherry. I think it's Keffer. I hope I'm pronouncing her last name correctly. And the book It's Not Supposed to Be This Way by Lisa Turkhurst. Awesome. As always, we'll have those resources on our show notes as well as Instagram. Mm-hmm. You can connect with us at talkingaboutthenonos at gmail.com and talkingaboutthenonos on Instagram as well. And as we always say, find those safe people to talk about the no-nos with.